Welcome to Selfie Development, a podcast about the weird and wonderful world of wellness and self-improvement. Each episode, we look at a different wellness trend or practice to find out what actually works and what's kind of a waste of time and energy. I'm Katie Gordon, a yoga teacher and coach. I'm Annabelle Lee. I write about wellness. Come and find us at Selfie Development Pod on Instagram for more wellness chat. Welcome back to season two of Selfie Development. It's lovely to see you, Katie. It's been a while. I know. How was your holiday? My holiday was uh, 10 up 10, the best wellness practice I've tried, being in a hotel. And Great. Cooked it. <laughs> no tidying up. <laughs> no tidying up at the beach. Yeah, divine. We are, yeah, we're back for season two. Thank you so much for listening and the support for season one. We are excitingly not in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah, we've levelled up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We've self-improved. We are in the studio, which is really exciting. We've got our producer Nick here with us and we've got guests this yeah, season. Yeah, I'm really excited about talking to some experts about some of the topics we've got lined up. Yeah, this is going to be great because I think, you know, we have thoughts, as you probably know, but it's great to get people in who are like pragmatic and sensible people that, that can help us try and navigate this space, who are experts in their field, who know some of this research inside and out. Who yeah, going to tell us when we're wrong and, and or give us additional things to think about for each episode. Yeah. And we are still doing our usual diving in to some of the trickier topics, maybe not always just going to be recommending stuff to do, but trying to think about how we can do this stuff in a way that really, really helps us and other people, hopefully. Hopefully. Maybe. Yeah, that's, maybe. The, that's the idea. <laughs> so for this episode, episode one, we are talking about tech, wellness tech, mm. wearable tech, which is wearable tech. I was researching something else entirely um, and I <laughs> came across a survey which was done in the States, but um, it was across sort of lots of different professionals that work in health and fitness. And wearable tech was the number one trend for 2023 um, in terms of health and fitness, which I thought was really surprising. Yeah, I mean, I suppose you think of people having Apple watches and stuff, but I don't really think of it as being necessarily a, a big thing, but maybe that's it hasn't quite hit yet. Yeah, well, that's often what happens, isn't it? I guess mm. that we see this stuff in the States and then it like trickles <laughs> where the late yeah. <laughs> yeah so wearable tech yeah obviously meaning watches heart rate monitors which i was <laughs> telling you i've got a heart rate monitor recently which is really interesting so it's like a strap that I, you wear like under your bra basically and it, then it's got like a little thing on your that goes on your chest so you can wear it on your wrist i think and i've got quite into my heart rate monitor but I do wonder whether that is actually helpful or unhelpful. Do you like check how you've done in one hit workout versus another, or like does it have analytics on it as well? Yeah, it, it does. So it's so the hit class that I've been going to because yeah, this is new for season two as well. Is that I've now started <laughs> exercising. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've converted to the religion of 
Well, no, yeah, I just, I've just started doing it and I've realised that actually it makes me feel less sad. So mm. the hate class that I've been going to, you wear a heart rate monitor and then it syncs up with this big screen in the class and it tells you what percentage of your maximum heart rate you are hitting. So everybody's maximum heart rate is slightly different and it's mm. something to do with age. And I think as you get older... And fitness levels, surely, as well. I think fitness levels do play a part in it. Yeah, I don't know. It's really complicated, but we can ask our guests yeah, <laughs> to yeah. help us with some of that. So, yeah, the class I go to, it shows on, up on this big screen and they colour code it. So red is, or when you're at 90% of your max heart rate, you're red. Okay. And then it's like yellow and green and blue going down. And you tr want to be in the HIT class, um, the high intensity interval training class. You want to, they want you to be at in red for like nine to 18 minutes of the class. So if you go into what, yeah, is yellow the next one? Yeah. Is someone like, Annabelle? No, <laughs> no, no, not, no, it's not. And that is something that I was quite worried about because I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much. But it's more like, oh, you've got 1% to go until you're in the red or, you know, so it's okay. kind of done nicely. Although I have been in that class with my husband and <laughs> there was a sort of competitive streak did come out in me. Right, I can imagine. Yeah. I, and then at the end, it tells you like where, how much you did in which zones. Who the, won? I mean... Probably him. Oh, okay. Annoyingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it tells you things like, so your heart rate, where you were, things like calories burn, which is a whole nother sort mm. of tricky conversation with, you know, this kind of tech and tracking, effort, things like that. So it is really interesting. And, and you can also look at that on your phone. So I've got an app on my phone. Right. So if I, sometimes when I just go for a run, I'll look at that and that I do find it quite helpful but on the flip side I think there can be this risk that we get really really obsessive with looking at the numbers and tracking what we've done and I know lots of friends of mine who run a lot have said that they've ditched their Stravas their their running watches right because it's just it you you know get really into like the miles you've done the pace you know, all of this stuff, which is kind of take stripping away some of the joy, I think. Do you do it for a specific reason? Are you trying to get f fitter or something? Or is it just you're interested or like, I'm just interested to know what the motivation with, is. With, yeah. the, with the exercising in general? No, with the heart rate, well, like with the tech, I guess. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have bought that had they not sold it to me at the gym, basically. Okay. <laughs> um. And also because I enjoyed that class and I have been to that class without my heart rate monitor and, mm. and that's fine, but I kind of like the accountability and I like knowing okay. when I'm running now, you know, I know if I put the treadmill up like two, I don't even know what it is, oh, tenths of a kilometre an hour, that I know that my heart rate's going to go up and I kind of like seeing it. And I like, I do like the kind of accountability. I like okay. the points, which I know is like getting into like gamification and sort of extra dopamine. What do you get with your points? Well, nothing. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nothing. So, yeah, I think it can help keep you accountable mm. to know. Also, I find it quite helpful because I have always thought for a long time when I've been exercising, like I'm going to be sick. 
I'm going to pass out. I've had to leave a spinning class before because I'm like, I am not, I am Mm. unwell. And I do find the heart rate monitor quite helpful because it, I can look at the thing and it will be like, oh, you're on 88%. And I'll know, actually, I'm not, I'm okay. You're all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, that I do find that quite helpful. But heart rate monitors, I guess, are just one part of wellness yeah. tech. Massage guns are huge at the moment. Have you mm. tried one? No, I mean, unsurprisingly, I'm sceptical about that. I think, so I, I've i trained in, in massage and uh, I just can't imagine that you can get the same amount of... It just can't be the same. You're definitely not getting, like, love into your body with it. It's quite, like... Is it quite, like, hard? Yeah. Okay. Because also I think that, I mean, I think that if you're talking about massaging muscles, then I can imagine that can work. But if you're talking about, like, in a normal massage you would be working with fascia and and other things as well and like a hard pounding <laughs> i know they are like drills it's not going to yeah. do anything for for that so i mean i guess it serves a purpose doesn't it but i mean send me to a nice little yeah. massage room any day yeah yeah they're very expensive as well massage gardens mm. but i have tried them a couple of times once in the chiropractor's office, which I know you were sceptical of me going to the chiropractor. Yeah, in the we'll talk about chiro- chiropractors in another episode. I think. <laughs> and they've got something that you can use at my gym as well. And I do, I have been using it on my shoulder because I've got like chronic shoulder pain and that, I do like it, but I quite like that sort of intense, sort of <laughs> delicious pain. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, yeah, again, like they serve a function, don't they? If yeah. they're helpful, then they're helpful. The other thing that I... Um, keep being sent press releases for at the moment is um electro muscle stimulation have you heard of this is that like the tech that they used to do to sell you that stuff that was going to give you a six-pack by electrocuting you <laughs> Basically. like in the 90s was that <laughs> so it's this yeah it's there are these like kind of suits basically that you <laughs> that you wear and you work out whilst i think it's similar to a tens machine which right. i don't know if you use one when you were have, there was no time for that okay. no. <laughs> um, I did try one when I was in labour both times actually and they deliver like little um, electric shocks which help sort of disrupt your pain sensors I don't yeah I don't quite understand the okay. tech, but but that is meant to be and the result you know the, the claimed results are um, so you go and you do a workout whilst you're in this suit which is stimulating your muscles electronically and so the premise of this is that you're kind of getting an intense workout in a shorter amount of time but you know is this overcomplicating it are we, do we need this stuff I mean how intense do you want to, I guess it's also depends like there's a certain level of tech and performance and diet if you're a professional athlete or if you're training for I don't know an ultra marathon or something that is helpful and will increase your performances by a tiny bit which is what I guess you need at that level but for people who are just going to the gym to like do a workout or maybe just enjoy moving their bodies then I don't know do you need it I I feel quite skeptical because I feel all this kind of started with calorie trackers and step counters and and all those things which again serve a function for certain people but there's also a lot of um 
negative associations with that. If you're tracking your macros, for some people, that's totally fine. But for a lot of people, that can be really yeah. a path that you don't want to go down, especially if you already have disordered eating or, or something like or poor body image or something like that. And the same with step counters. I, I used to look at my step counter all the time for my 10,000 steps. And then I realised that because I cycle quite a lot, some days I'd have like 2,000 steps <laughs> yeah, or like 50. 500 <laughs> steps. <laughs> and I'd just be like, oh, no, I haven't got my steps in. But actually I'd done an, an hour cycling yeah. or something or or not. Or I just yeah hadn't had my phone on me or I just had a like a quiet day. I think it's really easy to get caught up in these numbers and actually what does wellness mean? Yeah. And what level of fitness are you looking for? What do you want out of moving your body or exercise? Definitely, definitely. And I think one of the other sort of concerning things about some of this tech is the like tracking, um, mm. you know, like do we need to be putting all of our health and wellness data on an app, on the internet that, you know, we don't know where that information is going to end up. I know when uh, the Roe versus Wade, Roe versus Wade was yeah. announced and everyone was saying, you know, delete your, if you've got um, period tracking apps, delete them because you don't know where that information is going to go. That's obviously, you know, really scary. You know, it's personal data and we don't know yeah. necessarily where that data is going to end up. So I think it's just, yeah, kind of being, how can we be mindful of of using tech in a way that it's not going to kind of eat us and overtake us and, you know, become this other thing that we have to do and tick mm. off, um, but it can help us. Yeah, I guess it's like the eternal thing that we talk about a lot about, like what is, what are you doing to enjoy yourself and have a nice time and feel a bit better and what is like relentless self-optimization for, for no good reason yeah. that won't even necessarily make you more well or, or feel better. Definitely. And that is what hopefully our guest is <laughs> going to help us unpack some of that stuff. So we are going to be joined by fitness and nutrition expert Arj Thera Chalvam, who has been coaching people from novices to Olympians for 17 years. He's the head coach at Performance Physique and he focuses on clear and straightforward fitness and sports advice. So hopefully he will not uh, bamboozle us with jargon and help us unpack wellness tech. Hi, Arj. We are so grateful to have you on to help us unpick and unpack wellness tech. How are you doing? Are you well? I am indeed. Thank you very much for having me, Annabelle and uh, Katie. I'm very much looking forward to recording this. So, Arj, I know you have been in the fitness industry for a long time. I know your kind of focus is on... Um, kind of straightforward and no-nonsense advice and approach, which we love, which, you know, that's what we are trying to do as well to kind of unpack some of this stuff. Yeah. What do you think about wearable tech and wellness tech? I know it's, I've read that it's uh, the number one trend for this year. Is that something that rings true for you? Have you seen a lot more tech? Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, wearable tech, it's like everything, realistically. There's there's some real positives there that I'm sure we're going to dive into today. And there are some real limitations with this as part of our everyday health, as well as working more towards fitness and performance. And, you know, you've, you've said it right there. I do like to kind of deliver the truth and the evidence-based position. And um, sometimes that means we're more on the fence than what creates headlines or makes a great uh, a book, perhaps. 
um, which is something I'm going to do one day, I promise. <laughs> but in, in terms of seeing more and more use of it, whether it's in the gym or whether it's in sport, it's going at like this kind of trajectory. We're going, we're climbing Mount Everest at the moment, and I think it's only going to get a, a steeper, the curve. There are some like crazy figures out at the moment. There was a report done uh, about two months ago or so, and they basically showed that 60% of first world nations are now using some kind of step tracker. And now I know that sounds probably, you know, we had pedometers back in the 70s, I think it was, Japan, when they kind of designed the first one. That might not sound like a huge number, but if you think 60% of first world nations all performing some kind of health tracking movement, that's a very, very large impactful moment. And we've now got to now be a little bit careful with how we use that technology and also who we're trusting to deliver that technology to us. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I think that's one of the, that's one of the, the things, isn't it? It's like, where's all this information going yeah. Are we using it sensibly ourselves individually and also are, like you were saying, is is like the tech industry using this information well as well? Yeah, I, I'm massively one for change. You know, we, we talk about people who, who get stuck in change and I think it's it's quite humbling almost, isn't it? When, you know, you, you read a new review or um, a meta-analysis, these are the, the academic studies, and you're like, oh my goodness, my whole position standard now has to change from what I've been saying. And that's a humbling experience. And in my view, the best practitioners are the ones who are then willing to admit that they've had to change that, that statement. And I don't think we're necessarily anywhere near that journey when it comes to wearable technology. There are some huge brands now which are, which are garnering a lot of financial support from these uh, venture capitalists who are making quite substantial claims or making quite substantial decisions on people's health indirectly because you're saying, oh, your, your performance this week was awful. You should run faster. And it's that's a, that's a big impact for an elite athlete who maybe has a little bit of knowledge that's a tremendous impact on someone who is your everyday joe and has just taken up a new fitness habit and your device is now telling you that actually you were really rubbish yeah. um so, <laughs> so we, we we and this is i'm not even making this up this has happened to me personally and it's happened to a number of my clients where this brand which i absolutely love you know i'm wearing one right now as we speak but this brand gives you weekly feedback on your wrist and it tells you whether you effectively, it says you've been unproductive, productive, or you know, <laughs> people are gonna guess. And oh I did a, gosh. this is, yeah, it's horrible, right? Yeah. I did a, a fitness session myself, which is a rarity, um, but it was about three years ago and I did a really tough training session and it's based purely on physiology. You know, there's, there's no getting around this. It, it was a very tailored session that I've developed for myself. And at the end of it, the watch told me that I was unproductive in that session. So I took a photo of it and I contacted the brand and basically said, this is really bad feedback to, to deliver some, to someone. I would probably believe my watch had I not basically been mm -hmm. so arrogant and being like, I'm vastly more intelligent than what the watch, you know, but most people wouldn't go down that line. And um, unfortunately their response was, ha ha emoji, um, keep going. And oh, I was God. like, that is horrendous customer service. I mean, that that is literally everything you, you want to avoid. Yeah, that's like response by uh, chat GDP, isn't it? Or, or something. 
So there's so much tech out there, Raj. I have recently procured myself a heart rate monitor, which I'm uh, yeah, becoming increasingly attached to. But there is so much out there and it can get really, really overwhelming. What's a good place to start if you are thinking, actually, I would like some kind of accountability. I would like to sort of think, start yeah. to think about some tech. Yeah, um, I think first and foremost, don't put yourself under any financial stress. You know, you're doing this to improve health and we kind of see health as just one element very often in, in my industry, whereas, you know, your, your socioeconomic factors are going to have a really great impact on your own health and therefore choose stuff which lies within your own budget. So a lot of the technology is available on your smartphone. You can get free apps, um, you know, Strava and MyFitnessPal, those kind of things. They are offering elements of, of wearable technology. Maybe not as great, but it's a, an easy starting point. After that, the two biggest things, which really the most kind of gym goers or active individuals or people looking to become a little bit more active, really should be looking for is something to track their steps accurately and something that will monitor their heart rate. So with yours, did you, did you get a heart rate belt or did you use a wrist one? Yeah, I've got a belt which stinks. It's <laughs> so gross. <laughs> you can wash it, I know, you? but I tried yeah. and I just, I just gave up because I was, anyway, it's just gross, but I feel like I'm... You, <laughs> not sure. you know what you want to use for that? This is, this is a little tip for everyone. Um, you know, Milton, the cleaning solution for bottles... You can use that or the um, laundry cleaner and you just put a little bit in a bowl and you just leave it there for like 30 minutes. So when I used to work in a lab, that, those were the inside tricks, basically, um, of effectively cleaning your heart rate monitor. But you do need to do it pretty much yeah, every other session. Yeah, it's vile. But yes, mine's on a, a strap and then it's got like a little disc that kind of pops yep. in. Yeah, so effectively the heart rate monitor on a chest strap is more accurate than that which lies within a, a wristwatch. But if you've, you've bought your own fitness watch, you will very often get some element of that heart rate monitor, which is fairly accurate. It's definitely suitable for the majority of individuals. But if you're then looking for really accurate data, you know, stuff which only has, I think it's something like a variation of up to 5%, then the, the heart rate monitor chest straps, they're brilliant. And you can really start to understand the physiology that you need to make a difference to your training. Because what, what I see and observe the most as a, as a coach is that most people spend a lot of their time in a really ineffective, murky area of training. We call it zone three. Everyone kind of has different definitions of the zones, which again, doesn't make it very easy. But the zone three is where you feel like you're working hard enough and you feel like this is doing some good, you're sweaty, you're, you're out of breath. It's not super duper hard, therefore you're probably more likely to do it. And it's not so slow that you feel that you're not doing anything. Unfortunately, this middle ground is exactly that. It's a middle ground. You want to be able to spend most of your time doing the stuff in zone one, zone two, which is really easy effort. And then a very small portion, say 15 to maybe 25%, but maybe 15% of your time in the really super hard stuff where you don't want to force yourself into that zone. Now, when we guess, we are obviously guessing and you can't quantify that. But if you have your heart rate monitor and you understand what your actual maximum heart rate is, you can peek at your wristwatch or whatever it is that is giving you your heart rate feedback and you'll understand that, oh, actually, I've spent all this time in this zone, which isn't very productive for me. 
I should spend it up here and down here. And that's that's why the heart rate monitor is so, so fantastic. You know, it is a piece of technology which will help the large majority of individuals with their fitness goals. And it will also help people who are perhaps looking to get a little bit healthier understand when they shouldn't exercise and when they should exercise based on the changes in their, their resting heart rate. Unlike most technologies, there is a smaller percentage of people who will become obsessive over that heart rate value and therefore it be negative. Um, so the heart rate monitor is, is a fantastic one. Can you explain a little bit more about zones one and two and zone why that is for our listeners? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So zone one and zone two it is effectively this really light work zone. There's a, a well-known term, which is the Kenyan shuffle. So obviously the Kenyans are known for being absolutely superior endurance athletes. And yet they perform this Kenyan shuffle, which is basically only just faster than a, a fast paced walk for the majority of their training. And the reason is, is that zone one and zone two increases something called capillarization, it sends more blood into the muscles in a larger and a more economic manner. And therefore we become fitter. We increase what we call our base conditioning or cardiovascular fitness. So this is the, the most important area of, of health realistically. Zone three is stuck in the middle. And although you do do a little bit of zone three work, it's not offering as much as then complementing zone one and zone two down here with zone four and zone five, which is the extremely difficult stuff. This is the stuff where it becomes more anaerobic in nature. So a lack of oxygen is present. This is more intervals or flat out sprints on their own. And you probably can't really perform more than 20 minutes of these kind of activities. And it's, it's about a percentage relevant to your own heart rate. So we can make estimates of what someone's heart rate is, but these formulas are really, really, really old. And actually we all have a, a quite a substantial individual variance. So I have a couple of athletes who their maximum heart rate is far higher than what the theory suggests it should be. Now, if we listen to the theory, I'd be doing them a disservice because they would basically not be making the progress that they can make if we capitalize on understanding just how high that heart rate can go safely as well, that's really important. And that's why having a heart rate monitor does allow these doors to open basically. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm. Is that why we're seeing stuff like HIT becoming more popular, do you think? If it, my actual true reason I think HIT is becoming more popular is that I think we just want to find something which means we feel great for doing it and it, Oh, it's a great way of saying, oh, you don't have to exercise for as long. Yeah. <laughs> you only need to do 20 minutes of this one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm guilty of that. I think I've learned to sort of disassociate for the hit class, which is, yeah, why I like it, because I can, I can maintain that sort of out-of-body experience for, <laughs> for 30 minutes. That's really interesting, I think, on heart rate tracking. We talked about step counts as well. Hmm. In terms of other sort of benefits broadly of this kind of tracking, what's it going to help us with? Accountability, maybe pushing ourselves? Yeah, definitely. Um, so Steve Magnus is a, is a sports scientist. He's a fantastic mind. And he, I actually wrote down a, a quote of his, which relates to tracking and preparation for this. He said, basically, if it creates awareness, that leads to action. And that is great. When we track something, we give attention to it. That attention signals the thing is of value. So basically you're, you're making that conscious decision that, okay, I want to change this. 
I want to make a difference here and therefore in order to witness that difference, I'm going to see things occur um, visually in front of us. So when we set goals, when I work with my clients or my professional athletes, I say, right, we're going to write those goals down with a hand. You know, it has to be handwritten. So you have that, that sense of touch and seeing the goal written down and then seeing you log your progress over a period of time basically gives us this internal reward cycle, which you guys will know much more about than I. And that then obviously encourages to go again and again and again. And the wearable technology element of that is just making it a little bit simpler because at the end of the day, we're all looking for a faster, more efficient process, aren't we? Yeah, I love that. I've got a little notes app on my little note on my app, mm. and I uh, have been ticking off every day what I do. And you know, and that's yeah. so micro, but I love it. I'm like, oh, get my little dopamine, <laughs> get yeah. my little dopamine hit after I've been to hit. But that, yeah, that's interesting. And but the I've thing got mine right here. It's great. Writing it down offline is interesting, isn't mm. it? I think not to be like super negative as I quite often are. Um, I, I just I think there's also the the downside to that is is that it it can become obsessive, right? And if you're yeah. not a professional athlete and you're just looking to like train for health in general, then if you're tracking what you're doing and constantly trying to improve. Uh, I don't know. I think if you're talking, we were saying earlier actually about things like my fitness pals and stuff where you're tracking your macros. I would have thought limited need for like a normal person to be tracking macros unless they're trying to achieve something pretty specific. Is that, is that right? Yeah. You're again, you're right on, on with the, the argument there is that we have to be really self-reflective. Are we noticing that this tracking is creating some poor behaviors? Are we, actually creating an issue which didn't exist before so sleep tracking i think on one of one of the questions we, we you know we said about what's valuable sleep tracking is immensely popular and there's two very big us products at the moment which are really pushing how effective their sleep tracking monitors are and you know the, the papers don't suggest they're they're there yet i'm sure they will be in the next couple of years um but it is created an, an actual issue which is i think it's orthosomnia which is basically the compulsion of tracking your sleep is negatively affecting your sleep. So you, you look at your app in the morning. Oh, I only got six hours worth of sleep. I feel terrible for that, actually. Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, definitely struggling because I only got six hours of sleep. Whereas actually they, they might have woken up that day and said, oh, I felt fine. I felt really good, actually. You know, it, it is creating an issue and I think it needs to be self-reflective. And ideally, you work with a, a professional at some point in order to understand the rules of engagement when it comes down to tracking. So my fitness power, for example, it is a very effective tool. Calorie counting is a, a very well-established, um, academically supported method to achieving a specific goal for a specific time. And at no point was it designed to be used long term. So no one should be doing that long term. So when I work with people, we obviously identify whether A, they have a history of eating disorders or disordered eating. And therefore, the decision would be made whether, first of all, working with that person is out of our scope of practice. And then following that step, if you know we're okay to work with them, but if you have any of these tendencies, perhaps we'll go with a non-tracking method. And then if you know we've gone down this flow diagram and we've established that they can track, cool, you're going to track for four weeks and that's it. Or you're going to track for one day per week. Or you're going to track for these two weeks. And you, it's all about 
basically building a system, a process that you can, can pull out of your toolbox at any moment. So four weeks, four kilos is this program that I run. And we talk about tracking and we talk about how incredibly important it is to understand where you're at right now and what you need to do in order to, to make the health changes that you want to do to improve your health biomarkers. But then you just perform food audits in the future. So it might be one day, say you, you did the April program of four weeks, four kilos. And then in July, you think, right, this plate actually looks a little bit fuller than it did a few months ago. You perform your food audit, you track the calories on that plate, and it just gives you an idea of, oh, I've actually gradually just been sneaking in an, an extra 200, 300 calories here and there. And that's all it is. No form of, of, of tracking should be permanent and constant. And I definitely do witness two extremes from, from other practitioners in the, in the industry, mainly because the, you know, the fitness industry and even the sports industry itself are, are so poorly regulated that you have, have people offering advice who, well, they, they shouldn't be shouldn't be basically we could go down a whole rabbit hole with that though yeah yeah for sure <laughs> I think that's really interesting I had no idea that it, it wasn't supposed to be long term because anyone I know who does it does it long term yeah lots yeah. of people in a like uh unhealthy relationship with my fitness pal aren't, aren't they? yeah yeah what do you think Arj about sort of not necessarily wearable tech, but things like massage guns, um, electro muscle stimulation. So more kind of like non-wearable tech. Yeah. Do you think that kind of stuff is helpful or do you think we're going too far? No, I don't, I don't think we're going too far. Um, I own both of those devices. So the massage gun is, to be honest, it's just saving your thumbs. I don't know if you've ever given anyone a massage, but after about five minutes, your thumbs are just really hurting. And the massage gun is just a, a really easy way of being able to continue working on an area without causing yourself pain and discomfort. I mean, I think that was what technology was invented for, you know, the, the horse and then the car and all that kind of stuff. Electromagnetic stimulation, TENS units, um, all of those kind of tools, they're really, really effective when it comes to rehab, injury rehab that is for sports people i have seen it used with those with disabilities as well trying to basically put some muscle activation in an area which perhaps they haven't been able to use they are really really smart devices and the more modern ones i think it's powered yeah power dot which basically tell you exactly what you need to do and it runs the session itself i think that's really useful um whether everyone needs it i wouldn't say so you know, I, so can they help to build new connections in the brain then if you're using them? Is that how they help people with injury and stuff? Or So basically like a, a TENS unit sends an electrical s signal right from the muscle and you, you know, you'll, you'll see the muscle firing. It's, mm. it's, it's very, very strange initially. And, and yeah, it, in, in answer to your question, yes, it does. It basically creates new pathways or awakens pathways which are with a, perhaps become a bit dormant. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Yeah, really yeah. interesting. What do you think about glucose monitoring diets, which seem to be everywhere right now? I'm constantly being advertised on Instagram. Yeah. They're, they're everywhere. Is there any merit to monitoring how you process glucose or using wearable tech for that? Yes. And those devices and that approach is made for a clinical population who struggle with diabetes. Mm. That's it. Right. So it for should the not be. For no. the average normal person, 
No, no, it's it's really, really misguided um, mm. and abuse of authority from the individuals who are involved in this, in, in my personal opinion. It's really sad to see because as far as I'm aware, it's well established within the university research groups that the, um, the claims being made around you know, calories are not the cause of this. It is your consumption of bread and certain fruits mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's 1990s misinformation of fat makes you fat kind of thing. We've got so many journal papers which support the rules of thermodynamics that we basically don't investigate the rules of thermodynamics anymore because it's so well established. And unfortunately, we're just, we are going way too far to say that you need to constantly mon monitor your, your blood glucose. Our uh, blood sugar levels effectively respond via the hypothalamus so we've got a constant fluctuation it's not like if you're not here in this straight line then you need help it's mm. the body is constantly just going up and down up and down and most of the the body's functions respond in that way and instead of taking these little snapshots and then saying oh yeah this is this is the thing which is causing you to be unhealthy and actually you don't need to do exercise which is the same claim from that group is it crikey okay yeah, the, the claim, I think it was on a very popular podcast, the claim was exercise doesn't help with weight loss and calories don't matter. It's actually about monitoring their blood glucose and then that individual also released their paid for program, which is monitoring blood glucose. And to be honest, like exercise isn't the most effective way of losing weight. No, it's not. However, if you want to be healthy, we need to do exercise. And I think that's a very dangerous statement to make basically when you are potentially impacting millions and millions of people we should basically be exercising we should be monitoring our, our food intake to understand that yes we shouldn't consume over consume repeatedly on these areas but we should be really flexible in our, our approach and certainly don't start telling people not to have certain fruits because they've got too much sugar in them what about all the other vitamins or the child that won't have their vegetables but will have fruit and therefore you're like oh cool well this program tells me not to, to eat fruits, therefore I'm going to stop the child eating fruits as well. I mean, you just wouldn't do that, would you? No, I, uh, that was my instinct, but it's nice to, to hear that from someone. But it's, it's incredible that these products become so massive and, and the average person in the street sees is advertising and think, oh, this is a, this is a great mm. new technology for me to use. And, and they don't know that it's, it's pointless yeah. at best. Yeah, and it's, it's just for a, per, a clinical population. You know, mm. we shouldn't we shouldn't be straying out of our, our zones. Again, this scope of practice thing. Sure. You know, there are people much better qualified on the subject matter than I, who I've basically gone to, to listen to and to understand further. But yeah, it's bad. Sucking all the joy from life as well, isn't it? Like you can't <laughs> exercise and you can't eat bananas <laughs> like, it was a great thing yeah like you say if you have a kid who who won't eat veg but will eat like apples Apple. and bananas like of course you shouldn't yeah. be removing that for there's a, a definite asterisk there i can't remember the exact fruits which were basically um slandered in the process but uh it was about fruits not necessarily being always great for you because of the sugar content which is a a ridiculous argument well also there's more there's more to a fruit than how much sugar is in it mm. right like there's yeah, other exactly. stuff like fiber and vitamins and all the other things that are in there exactly well we touched on some of it there but in terms of downsides of, of tech we know some of it can be expensive 
there's been some concerns about data and tracking. How do we use this stuff sensibly? Do you think we've gone too far? How do we use this stuff well? Yeah, I think it is like everything which is actually true in life, go halfway, be a bit grey, don't go all in on it, don't rely on the data immensely. We we talk about triangulation in research methods, don't we? Where we're basically looking for three sources of information, three sources of data to then come up with a, a really accurate estimate. Again, it's always an estimate of where we're at. So if your if your smart device is telling you that you're really unfit, but your heart rate looks low or feels low, or you're able to hold a conversation, or the maybe you're doing it for weight loss and you've noticed that you know you've lost a, a, a notch on your your belt then you need to make that smart decision of ah i think to be honest the the smart watch just just told me the wrong information for that day and you look for the long term patterns don't rely on these short periods of of activity or short periods of data collection look what happens over a 3 month trend or a 6 month trend i definitely think people should be utilizing wearable technology when it's possible. It's really fun. It's nice to see you make progress. It's really useful in a structured manner to see how you can perhaps structure your exercise routine in order to improve faster. You're wasting less time to be faster, healthier, fitter, whatever. But also dedicate a short period of your exercise time to doing things off the record. You know, we, I call it free running. I'm not asking people to go do parkour or anything. Free running basically means you take your watch off and just go and run for enjoyment that day. So that's always really important for me, is that they have one of those sessions, a minimum one of those sessions every month or so, and just get feedback from, from their body. They don't over rely on the, the numbers that they're getting back. So that that is a really boring kind of answer to your question, but <laughs> yeah, use it, don't use it too much. It's nice when you use it though, but again, just be a little bit self-reflective. Is it going too far for you? I love that. I think that's great advice. Wonderful advice, Arj. Thank you so much. Absolute Arj, pleasure. If um, the listeners want to come and find out more about you, where can they find you online? Oh, Ace. Yeah, all of the usual places. So if they're if you're on Instagram, you can search at performance underscore physique or Arj the coach. That's the other one. Performancephysique.co.uk or go on YouTube and just type in performance physique and my smiley face pops up basically. Amazing, Arj. Thank you. That was so interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. Katie, Annabelle, thanks very much for having me on. Well, that was a great chat with Arj. And uh, he helped me understand some things that I didn't really understand before. Yeah, I think it's really nice to see a fitness professional taking the middle ground for once. Yes. It feels. It, I'm sure there's loads of you out there, but it feels quite rare, I think. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I thought it was it was really interesting. What do you think then, tech, wellness tech? I think for me personally, I have been trying to improve my relationship with with diet and exercise and I sort of made a promise that I would only do exercise and movement that I was doing for enjoyment. So I don't want to monitor my performance. It's For me, it's not helpful. It just makes me feel bad. Yeah. And I'm not trying to like get somewhere. I just want to move my body in a healthy way that makes me feel happy. And that's more important to me than than seeing an improvement. But I can see how it can be helpful and also quite motivating if you're tracking your 
progress and you're like, oh, I can run faster or my heart rate's more, my heart rate variability is better or whatever it is, I can see how that can be really helpful for people. Yeah. I think that that is it, isn't it? What is going to make you feel good individually? Yeah. And I think it can be that tech can improve that for you. It might be that it doesn't. And it's sort of like that whole thing of like, know yourself. That, mm, yes, you know, exactly. Is this yeah. tech going to help? You know, it might be that you you like your little ticky list like like me you or, like your ticky list you like yeah. you <laughs> um or that that using something like a heart rate monitor helps you but I think it's exactly that's the nail on the head isn't it how can you do it in a way that makes it better because it's th- this stuff is meant to be an additional isn't it it's meant to be something you know this isn't the practice it's something else on top it's yeah. just sprinkles yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I, I just I just know for myself if I start tracking either diet or exercise, it won't it won't make me feel good. So I don't do it. Yeah. And that can be completely different for other people. Totally. And particularly if you're trying to like maybe start running or something, then I can see, okay, this week I run five minutes, next week I run twelve yeah. minutes, you know, it that I can see the the benefits of that and massage guns and stuff like that also benefits. I guess it works out cheaper than going to a massage therapist every month in the end. Yeah, they are expensive. Some of them. What do you are, mean by expensive? Like £400, I think, some. Yeah, but Maybe. if you think if a massage costs 70 or 80 quid, that's like five massages. So. But it is, I mean, we've talked before about our love of. Uh, yeah, I mean, nice it's massages. not for me. It's not again. the same. It's not the same. <laughs> I want thing, that human touch. Yeah. But if you're someone who does train a lot and you maybe don't want to go to massage all the time or then I can see yeah definitely I think that for me I've definitely found like accountability to myself has helped Mm -hmm. me more because I have been trying to exercise more regularly and I think tracking that even though that's not really with wearable tech that's just through a list on my phone but this kind of tech has sort of supplemented that and helped me but again, that's just, that's because of like my personality type, I guess, or, you know, and I was worried I'm going to get, and I do get sometimes obsessive with numbers or looking at my yeah. pedometer and like, oh, I didn't do this many steps. And I think it is know what apps to look at when, because you could spend all the time on your phone, glued to your phone, looking at your steps, looking at your yeah, looking, looking at, your at everything then with your massage that. gun and your back strapped to I your suppose, seat. I mean, I go to the gym and I track what, what weight, weights I lift and stuff, but that is that is kind of a, a slow incremental thing. And, and I don't know, I suppose that's still tracking, isn't it? But yeah, it's a balance. Totally. As always, it's a balance. And I think what Arj said about, you know, going for a free run, mm. definitely, or maybe even track some of that stuff not on something digital like yeah a, and like, or tracking for a period of time like he was saying that's great well. advice and then taking a break or yeah I because think. then you know as well like you you know you've learned oh I feel like this when my heart rate's this high or and I know then I'm gonna f- start to feel better in a couple of minutes cause, mm-hmm. and then you can maybe be a bit more intuitive with what you're doing yeah in your free run you can you can trust your own feelings totally. of your body because you you've seen it on the um heart rate monitor yeah so maybe it helps you 
work yeah like you say more intuitively yeah if you use it wisely yeah yeah so tech we kind of we're on the fence <laughs> we're on the fence on our free run yeah some tech sometimes yeah thanks for listening come and find us on instagram at selfie development pod if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave us a review we recorded this podcast at story 94 Thanks so much to Nick and Matt for editing and production.